Welcome to Discovering Our Very Best podcast with Chris Conley and Deb Ellis. Stay tuned after this message from our sponsor. With all the headlines, are you wondering if your retirement savings will last? The market's ups and downs can keep you guessing, especially if you're approaching retirement or considering it. Your Edward Jones advisor, Daryl Olson, can help. If you have more questions than answers about what's next, you can work together to help ensure you're prepared for your journey. After all, retirement isn't the end of the trek, it's a new beginning. Stop by the office at 125 South Main Street in Bell Fountain. Edward Jones, making sense of investing. Member SIPC. Welcome to Discovering Our Very Best podcast with Chris Conley and Deb Ellis. The goal of this podcast is to share thoughts, stories, and ideas, enabling you to become all that God created you to be. Always remember, when there is hope in the future, there is power in the present. Good morning. We're on part three today. This is Debbie Ellis and Chris, and we start out the chapter with what gives you hope. So the question I am going to ask you as listeners is, what gives you hope? And if I ask you that question, what would you say? I'm sure there would be a pause because sometimes that question can be evaporated by our day-to-day life. And we really forget to address what hope is and what it can do for us. In the book, Holy Moments by Matthew Kelly, he says that hope is the belief that good things lay ahead and confidence in wonderful possibilities. When I started to read this chapter, Chris, I thought of a quote. There's a lot of good quotes by Michael J. Fox. Hmm. And if you know his background and his dealing with Parkinson's and how he's helped other people. And this is the quote that really hit home for me. Don't spend a lot of time imagining the worst case scenario. It rarely goes down as you imagine it will. And if by some fluke it does, you will have lived it twice. I thought that was so good because I worry about what the future is going to hold and maybe I'm lacking hope, but why am I worrying about something that most often doesn't happen? Exactly. And if it happens, I have lived it twice and probably my mind made it worse than it really was. Sure. Yep. Whenever I hear the word hope, I, I was a big Zig Ziglar fan and mm-hmm. still am, even though he's passed away. But he always said that where there's hope in the future, there's power in the present. And that always was really profound to me because it's when we see a better future and whether we can make a part of it or not, but it gives us that hope that tomorrow's going to be better. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I like that one too, because I don't know, there's definitely a difference in the word hopeful and hopeless, huge difference right. up the spectrum. And so I think if we believe the future can be better than the past or a year ago right. or a day gone by, there are things that we can do to bring about a better future. And then that hope empowers us. And I think that's kind of what we read in this chapter, this yeah. part three. Right. And, you know, I think one of the things he talks about, it takes the focus off ourselves, we think mm-hmm. of others. And there's so much to do with that. I've heard many, many stories about a guy that went to a psychologist that was depressed and he said there are medications and things but for most of us the mild depression can be all about just not thinking about the aches and pains we have Mm -hmm. but if we go help someone else it takes the The anxiety out of our focus on ourselves right that is a good point and I, i was thinking too that hope it's important because if we can make the present moment less difficult to bear by hoping that something better comes along, we can believe in tomorrow and it's going to be better for sure. If we have a hardship today, hope makes it last longer too and that we can 
It gets be, us through the time. Yeah, it does. Yeah, it gets right. us through the tough times. Right. And I know once I had heard that sometimes we don't get maybe what God had planned for us and we think, oh my golly, I prayed and I prayed and I prayed and nothing happened. But yet in time, whether it's a year, five years, we find out that what we really wanted wasn't good for us. Exactly. It wasn't the plan and there was something better. Mm-hmm. So you always have to hope for those possibilities you're unaware of. I always think of prayers as being not just yes or no, but maybe sometimes it's later. You or know, just not wait. Now. Yeah. Or just quiet. Yeah. The quietness. It, right. And we have to be patient. That's true. Yeah. That's true. I know in the book when Matthew talked about hopeful and hopeless, that he talks about finding hope in small things. And we've talked before about like when you find a shiny penny and Lincoln's heads up and it's, it's a superstition. I know <laughs> right, it's a superstition, right. but even those little things can put a smile on your face sure. or when you meet someone and they just make you happy and smile. Mm-hmm. It's a sign of hope too, because it's like, Hey, Chris, you put that smile on my face. You should feel good about that. Right. And that, I think we just have to be positive as positive as we can possibly sure. be. And, you know, along those same lines, you know, when you think of life, it's not linear. You know, we have our mountains and our valleys. But I think my mantra at this stage of the game is just to make today, and I think I've told you this before, I have this little oh sticker on my refrigerator. It says, make today so awesome, yesterday gets jealous. jealous yeah. Yes. And, yeah, I remember and you I, saying that. Yes, right. And I think that's true, that if we're hopeful, each day is so full and we have so much to be thankful for that... We're just going to make the next day even better. Right. Well, the, the next section that we've got coming up talks about the world's a mess. One of the things that I've heard before is, and I really believe this, but there's never been a better time to be alive. Right. You know, people are I've living longer than, than ever. Mm-hmm. All things considered, there's more affluence. It's just, you know, healthcare. I remember I had an eye surgery and uh, it was for a detached retina. And the doctor told me if this would have happened 30 years ago, we'd have had to take your eye out of the socket and worked on it and then replace it. If it would have happened 90 years ago, you'd have been blind. Wow. And today they just did it with a with about a 40-minute laser surgery. So there's so much more right. out there that we just take for granted sometimes. Conveniences. You know? Right. That's, that's, for, right. that's sure. And I think so often, and I've said it too, that we think the world is a mess. And probably... In my mind, news and social media just compound that because we are more aware of what's going on. So it's a double-edged sword. We want to be aware, but also it can be pretty depressing. I truthfully kind of avoid the news as much as possible. I think what happens in our human minds is the moment that we hear something, whether in our minds we say, no, that can't be true, or maybe it's true, and we're kind of waffling Hmm. on whether to believe it. But once you hear something and you accept it as a fact— it has the same power over you as truth. Right. So we don't yeah. know what's true. Right. It's just like totally mixed up. And I look at negative stereotypes, how we're bombarded with everything. It just seems out of control and it's hard to let go. So when I listen to the news or I listen to people talking or me talking, I'm just as guilty. There's lots of purposeless drama, mm-hmm. just a lot of drama. There's aimless time wasted. I just think clutter creeps into our lives through the media. Right. Things come in that we don't really want it to come in and it just seeps in and it's hard to focus on what really matters. And I think that's what he's getting at when he says the world's a mess. You know, he, he makes a comment, every unholy moment makes mm-hmm. us less of what we were created to be. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's all about what we focus on. Right. And, you know, it's my unholy moments. It's your unholy moments. Mm-hmm. It's everybody's, everybody's holy moments dating way back to Adam and Eve. They right. had their unholy moment right. too. 
So we kind of abandon our Christian destiny mm-hmm. and it's a trail of collateral damage as Matthew Kelly mentions. Right. So I think we forget where's our compass. God is our guiding light and that's the GPS we should be using. Right. Like you said, one time I remember the GPS is like saying there's only one road there, but I like to think of our life as being more like a compass where we're headed in the right direction. No, our eyes are on Christ. We're moving in that direction. And there's going to be times that we get distracted, whether it's by the news or whatever things that go on in our life. But as long as we can stay focused on the true North, Mm -hmm. we can move in that direction. And I, I think when I get discouraged, I, I keep repeating in my mind, let go, let God. And we've talked about that Mm -hmm. before because we have to give up the things that weigh us down and we have to have the courage to let go of a lot of things that we cannot change. And that sounds easy, but Mm -hmm. It really isn't. When we talk about the world being a mess as we started this, I bet our parents said it. Oh, yeah. I bet our grandparents yep. said it. And it might be true, but it doesn't mean that we can't try to make it a little less messy. <laughs> I right. mean, it's probably always going to be messy because we're, we're human, but we have to give it a good shot. You know, he makes the comment there at the end of that section, unholy moments got us into this mess and only holy moments will get us out. So, yeah, yeah. that is, that is true. And even if it's one person at a time, right. I'm not president of any country (laughs) and I don't have any political clout to do anything, but one person at a time. And we'll Mm -hmm. get into that multiplication factor, but that's what it's all about. And then I think kind of going back to what we just talked about too, is you have to stay positive, mm-hmm. even if you're bombarded with things that are negative, because it's a choice. If you stay positive in a negative situation, I think you win mm-hmm. because happiness and sadness are moods. We're, we're all emotional. We all have moods. And so it's kind of a mindset. We know we, we don't have all the answers. There's going to be days we're going to be sad and we're going to cry over things and be, you know, depressed, but not to spoil the ending. Everything's going to be okay at the end. Sure. And our mindset is what separates, they say, the best from the rest is how we look at it and what is important in our lives. And we do know eventually we will have eternal peace. Right. And that's what's important. So I guess sometimes my mindset is I can't do it, but you have to add the three letter word yet. Y E T. Yeah. It can happen. And we can't do it on our own. Uh-huh. Amen. Yeah. <laughs> I think going along with that we talked about doing the most good for the most people, even if it's it's one person in our time. And I think our culture is kind of aggressive and it too often, and we're hitting upon this, dismisses the spiritual side mm-hmm. of everything. And people are generally confused about the difference. I get confused. You're watching the news or you're watching what's unfolding in the world. What's right? What's wrong? What's good? What's bad? What's just? What's unjust? It's like a bouncing ball. And going back again, there's no moral compass. We're not really quite sure what we should be believing and thinking. And and then the book goes into that virtue of patience and how it improves our lives. The next chapter there talks about the progress. Oh, right, right. Um, mm-hmm. As far as he says, the progress delusion is a misguided belief that change and progress are the same. All change is not progress. Mm-hmm. And the first thing that came to my mind was like, telephones. I remember a guy at one point in time saying this generation so connected, you know, and what he was referring to is they can text, they can, you know, right. they can do anything. But I really wonder that's, that's definitely change, but I'm not sure it's progress because, mm-hmm. you know, when you and I grew up, 
we had friends, but it was through a telephone or whether it was face to face, you know, kids meeting up in the neighborhood. And uh, a lot of people think that they have 500 friends because that's what they have on Facebook. But in reality, a friend is somebody that's going to be more there for you than just like what you put out there. You know, there is a big change. I can think back. I'm so old when we had party lines. Do you remember that? Oh, yeah. So (laughs) you'd have to wait until six other neighbors were off the line before you could use it. Or I remember we were kids and we always got a chuckle out of listening to like teenagers conversation. You'd you'd pick it up real (laughs) and think, can I listen to LeVan's talk about (laughs) Which is bad. (laughs) But anyway, when you're eight years old, that's pretty exciting. But but you're right. Um, Nowadays, I've even heard and I have teenage grandchildren, is they really don't get together much. It's all texting or posting things and what they're wearing, what they're doing. It's all through their cell phones Mm -hmm. instead of really being in person. And that's such a change. And I don't know if that's progress either. Yeah, I just don't know. I mean, it's definitely change. And all change has impacts, Mm -hmm. some good, some bad. But it's not to say that the cell phone's bad or internet's bad or anything else because it's really brought the world together and True. made a lot of opportunities for a lot of people. But we just have to discern ourselves how much is of a good thing is, is too much, maybe. And I'm not very good at that because yeah. I am. I'm constantly, when we walk out of here, I'll, I'll look and see, well, what did I miss in yeah. text? What's going on? And that's ridiculous because it just accelerates the pace of life. And at least for me, I know that's not good. It's yeah. not good at all. One thing he mentions there, he says, all progress involves change, but not all change is progress. Change Mm -hmm. is inevitable. Progress is not. And that kind of goes along with what we've just been talking about. Right, right. And I want to go back and key in on that word patience. When God was giving out patience, I must have been standing in the wrong line (sighs) because I missed it completely or I was behind the door. And that's one thing I, I do pray for. I am not patient. My husband is much more patient than I am, and I should have learned after 50 years to be more like him. But, <laughs> but you I'm... know, if you're praying to be patient, you, he's going to give you opportunities that you're going to have to learn. Right. right? <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> what, what, you know, what do they say is like, when you live your life, you're still going to make the same mistakes. I just wish I had made those mistakes earlier and learned from them yeah. because I'm still making the same mistakes, same mistakes yeah. at this age. But I, I think patience is a key word in that chapter and that you can't improve your life without improving another human being too. Mm -hmm. And again, we go back to that one-on-one and the holy moments and how you can share with others. Just like you put a smile on my face, I can put a smile on someone else's face. And I think that's important. And it's true for each person and it's true for each society. Right. And we, we just need to have real progress and not the progress that you can measure by power or money or who can force someone to do something else. I, yeah. That's not that's not progress. Yeah, I think it stands to reason we, we feel better about ourselves when we help others be mm-hmm. better themselves. True. I mean, it's great. Like you, when you recommended this book to me, initially I didn't read it and it was only after a second or third time and then I, I read it and I thought, wow, that's, that is a great uh, idea sense. for a podcast, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, Matthew Kelly makes the opportunity for the world to see this because he's made it available right. on his website, so... Right. And it can touch a lot of lives. Right. I, I, I also think in terms of our mental health, I think it costs you your mental health if you're anxious, if you're worried about everything. And anything that costs you your mental health is too expensive. Sure. And that's why we need to look at our, ourselves individually and avoid certain things to protect our emotional health. And that's not a weakness. Mm-hmm. Um, if we need to 
not listen to the news or if we need to avoid lengthy discussions with certain people that bring us down, that I think it's not a weakness, it's really wisdom right. to decide what can keep us aligned and keep us balanced in our individual lives as right. well. You know, we've all got buttons that can be pushed. That, yes. And some people have joy in uh, pushing those buttons, but it's best <laughs> for us yeah. to, we've talked about before, there's different associations that we have and right. some people bring out the best in us and that's the kind of people we want to be around but we want to be that kind of person to others at the same exactly time, you know? use them as an example to keep right. to keep going you're right you'd talked about the virtue earlier that was a section where uh, he's talking about generosity perseverance compassion humility courage he says virtue is the only way for society to make genuine progress but virtue is not a word that's used too much no. anymore how do you do you sum that up in another way? I really seldom use that word. Yeah. You're right. I, I think, think of it a... more as like positive characteristics, and I don't even know if that's really a correct synonym for yeah. it. Yeah, I think that's more in the 17, 1800s. The presidents used to talk about, right. you know, Thomas Jefferson had virtue and things along that line. True. But character is moral and ethical excellence. That's one of the things Matthew Kelly points out in this chapter. Virtue is the only way for society to make genuine progress. Mm -hmm. And then I think piggybacking on that idea of virtue was the spiritual intelligence. It yeah. goes into that on page 74 and just right. that modern culture prioritizes knowledge. We think of knowledge being sometimes more important than wisdom. And there is, there is a difference because I think the world has become a big trivial pursuit game. It's like who can spit out as much information and uh, wow the computers and right. intelligence artificial intelligence it's just like whoa there's so much out there but and i always remember this because i have a bad memory so this is my default button mm. is that einstein i read in one of his books he said i don't clutter my mind with facts anything mm. i can look up in a book right. i don't store in my mind right and i i like that because it's more putting connections together and using that trivia or those facts to come up with something that's creative and different. Right. And it was said that he didn't even know his phone number. He had to look I've it up. I've heard that. You know? Right. <laughs> and one of the smartest men that ever lived. Right. Know? Absolutely. But, but that goes to your point that if he could look it up, why clutter your mind with it? Exactly. You know? Yes. Yeah. So I, I, I use that, like I said, as a default. Yeah. And then this was kind of interesting because Matthew Kelly mentioned, um, Emotional intelligence, have you heard much about that before? I've heard it, but I think women are probably more in tune with that than men, would you say? I don't know. Emotion. The reason I knew about it was my middle daughter, Mary Beth, did a science fair experiment years ago studying emotional intelligence, and the book was by Daniel Goleman, and it was written in 1995, so I had read it as an educator. I thought that was interesting, and it makes so much sense because our emotions guide and motivate us to act. And however, they also can cause us to act irrationally, which mm. ties in with impatience, which <clears throat> I have. And that's why we need our emotional quotient, our EQ, because we talk about IQs right. and we measure IQs, but it really wasn't until the late 1900s that we started using the word and studying how emotional intelligence comes into being is probably, it's just as important as intellectual Mm -hmm. Maybe in some situations more, but the skill sets that in case other people aren't really familiar with emotional intelligence, the skill sets are like self-awareness, self-management, social awareness, and less emotional 
reactivity, mm. how I would react to something you would say, and kind of really fewer unintended consequences if we use our emotional intelligence to guide us. So EQ is an important factor for success. Yeah, It, it is <clears throat> and for leaders or for anybody. It's just an important aspect of our life. I think I've read before where there's some studies that talk about the EQ factor. Mm-hmm. And initially, when you talk about emotion, I think of women having more emotions than men. No, that, that's why no, I said what no. I did. But <laughs> but this, when you bring out the factors that make up EQ, mm-hmm. there were so, a lot of studies that companies were going through an interview process that, that took this factor into equation more than the IQ. Oh, and they sure. come up with people that were more loyal to the company would stay a longer period of time based off of those EQ factors. So, that makes sense. Yeah. So for them to hire that person right. would be to, mo- more productive yep. than someone that's maybe super bright with an IQ of 140 right. that will come and go and exactly. be off. Yeah. That's a good point. Yeah, I was an educator for like 36 years. So a lot of students, you know, walk through your door and I, oh, what a wonderful career it was. Yeah. So many individuals and some of the brightest ones weren't the ones that can relate to people yeah sometimes works just the opposite that Mm -hmm. they're just a little bit farther down that spectrum and it's hard for them to relate to a normal person sure and so that's where that emotional intelligence comes comes into play because i think the parts of it that are important it it shows good Mm self-control if you have a high emotional intelligence empathy towards others is because of that ability to take criticism will make life better. And I remember my mentor, and I think I shared this with you before I know I did. Um, Dr. Carter was a superintendent of schools. And I remember, I think I was a principal at the time, and he said, he would call me Miss Debbie kind of when I was in trouble. (laughs) He called me, he said, now Miss Debbie, no, that it's important when you're going to compliment someone, put it in writing, write them a note. Mm -hmm. But if you're going to criticize them, say it, in person, don't write it down. Because once you write something down, they can reread it, reread it, read into it things mm-hmm. that maybe you didn't even mean. Sure. And I have found that is so true in life. Yep. If you're gonna pay a compliment, write it down, let them feel good about it because it's the truth. But if you're gonna criticize, say it and let them process it themselves. Don't yeah. keep haunting them with something that you were hoping sure. would help them improve. That makes me think of, you ever heard the book, One Minute Manager? Yes, it's, read that. It's a real it's simple good. book. It's probably mm-hmm. an hour read of that. Right. But he talked about praisings, make praisings in public and make reprimands in private. Oh, you know? yes. So that That's makes all the sense too. in the world. Yeah. That is good. Yeah. That is good. The power of holy moments uh, in that section, it says small acts can be the catalyst that set in motion a chain reaction that leads to enormous outcomes. And I think... You were talking about earlier the multiplication factor or Mm -hmm. something. Did you want to go into that? Mm -hmm. He goes into it on certain pages more in detail, but it kind of goes along with most of us have heard of the ripple effect. Right. And that if you throw like a stone into a pond, the ripple effect and how if we do something with someone else. And so some other ones he mentioned were like the butterfly effect, Mm -hmm. where if a but what was it, a butterfly could flap its wings it could, yeah and start a hurricane them, yeah. A, yeah a tsunami or a <laughs> yeah, hurricane and, right. and they say that's that's really true so god invites us if we can do something it can be multiplied and i think what the author is saying is if everybody would buy into holy moments yeah. and helping people that and then it goes into uh, mathematically how that happens and yeah. the actual numbers are if you read the book and you share it with three people right and then those three people teach three more people and then mathematically it keeps going down down until pretty soon they said after what 21 cycles 
that most of the world would be impacted by those holy moments right. just by everyone sharing with everyone else and just I, I kind of thought of the, like the Amway pyramid, too. <laughs> how it, yeah. you sell here, da 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 da, right. da. This is much more important than the Amway <laughs> idea. But that there are less, they said, than 8 billion people on the planet, and it would take, yeah, less than 21 cycles to reach the whole world's population if each of us shared holy moments or shared the book or what you can do. And then the entire population in 100 years would have the power of spiritual multiplication. Right. So that was kind of fun to look you know, at too. He kind of ends the chapter talking about the uh, the fable that we, we mentioned, the Sir Alexander Fleming with the penicillin. Oh yeah. And, and, it, and, and it is a fable right. because I read it at first, Chris, right. and I thought, whoa, that's a powerful story. Right. And then I thought, nope, it's a fable. Right. But the point is. Uh, yeah. I, I looked it up to make sure. Yes, because I did too. <laughs> I, I had heard it 10 or 20 years ago and I thought it was a true story. I did too. Same thing. <clears throat> but right. yeah, the, the it's like the ripple effect, you mm-hmm. know, that this person saved a boy's life and he to repay him he put him through school and then he later not only by inventing penicillin he one of the rulers of england at the time uh, churchill i think right you know, needed it and so they had that ripple effect but i thought of one that that i know is true and i don't know if you've heard of the ben carson story or not but ben carson's the Separated brain the, surgeon right and when he was in school he was voted the dumbest kid in, oh, in a school by right. third, fourth graders. Mm-hmm. And uh, he just was okay with that. And his mom wasn't okay with that. Mm-hmm. And although she was illiterate, she could not read and write. She was a maid. She did cleaning. Mm-hmm. And she said she wanted him to do read these books and do book reports. And she would go through with a red mark and write things on it. He didn't know that she wasn't checking him, so he did the work, and he continued and continued and continued. By the time he graduated high school, he's number one in his class, mm-hmm. from fourth grade being the dumbest. Right. And he goes on to, you know, go to medical school and, and save mm-hmm. people's lives. So you talk about a ripple effect. Look at what that mom did for oh, her son. absolutely. And although she didn't have the power to know what she was doing she influenced him by her actions right so, yeah. right and that, that is a good movie that yeah. ben's and the book ben, right. ben carson's story because yeah. he was the one that, the first surgeon to, to separate, um, the, Siamese. separate the siamese twins right. at the brain exactly. right right pretty amazing story right. i think one of the things that i wrote down from the book in this particular part part three is don't let what you can't do interfere with what you can do he says do your part that's all just do your part mm-hmm And that's true, kind of goes along with what we alluded to earlier, that sometimes what did not work out for you really worked out for you. Right. And that what you want is not always what you need. Exactly. It all unfolds in different ways that we hadn't suspected. So we'll close part three with that, and we'll pick it up, part four, and close out the book in the next episode. Sounds like a plan. Okay. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Discovering Our Very Best Podcast. Please remember to like, subscribe, and share this podcast with friends. Remember, when there is hope in the future, there is power in the present. The Rise FM Podcast Network.